Get out there and do work. Nothing matters without action. And it's it's okay to be wrong with the action you take, but you won't know whether you're wrong or right until you actually start doing the work, then assessing the work that you did, so a little bit of reflection, and then determining, did it get me closer to my goal or not? If it didn't get you closer to your goal, then stop doing that work. It's okay to stop. You don't have to do the thing that you said you're gonna do. It's okay to eliminate things. It's okay to fire work. So uh, get out there, do work. Pause, take time to so take some time to reflect on the work that you did, and then iterate on that and go out and do more work. Be very comfortable with the idea that you're going to do the wrong things when you start, and that's all part of the learning process. And if you embrace the fact that you're going to do some things wrong when you start, you, you all of a sudden have the freedom to really, really push boundaries. And um, you know, small steps can turn into some really significant things over a long period of time if you're consistently doing taking those small steps. So get out there and do work. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are and wherever you're watching from. My name is Matt Pierce, host of Visual Lounge, where we talk about using images and video in work. So today we're gonna to be talking about this idea around accelerating, accelerating impact. You know, it's one thing we talk a lot about like how to make videos, we talk a lot about, you know, why you should have good audio, why you need good lighting, why you need, you know, good images, but let's talk about the impact that they can have and we've got a great guest to help us do that. So let me go ahead and introduce him right now. Mike Simmons helps business leaders and founders find clarity, stop second guessing the work they do and take the next logical step. He has worked in high growth tech companies over the last 22 plus years as an individual contributor and leader. A coach, an enabler, and a leader who knows that legacy is built through developing better leaders. His work is built on a combination of processes, frameworks, methods, tools, and applied thinking. Mike understands the importance of defining strategy, the how, and turning that into tactics, the what. It's one thing to know what to do, it's another thing to do it and know what to do next. Mike has worked at UPS, SmartForce, acquired by, which was acquired by Skillsoft, O'Reilly Media, and with clients such as Intel, Microsoft, MIT, the Walt Disney Company, Full Sail University, and a number of early stage startups and entrepreneurs. With that said, please help me welcome Mike Simmons to the Visual Lounge. Hey, Mike. Hey, Matt, that was, I, listening to someone else say that out loud makes me think two things. One, I need to shorten up the words, and two, it is a heck of a lot better than it used to be. So I'm making <laughs> progress. Thank you. Yeah, you bet. I mean, I, I love reading people's bios because it's always just like, it's, I mean, it's awkward to hear your own bio, but it is, it's always this fun thing just to be able to, one, you're impressive, Mike. I, I've gotten to know you for a number of years, over a number of years now, and it's always impressive to talk with you. The things that you do, just, it's like always like, wow, man, Mike does cool stuff. So, but we're glad that you're here in the visual lounge. Thank you. I'm super excited to be here. Yeah. So we're going to start off with the three questions we ask everybody. So I'm curious, you've got this, this interesting background of leadership and you've done a lot with helping people to grow their businesses and find kind of focus in their businesses. I'm curious, how did you get started with using images and video in the work that you do? Yeah. So I, I don't enjoy writing. And uh, so then you start thinking about different ways to communicate. Well, there, you can communicate verbally, you can communicate non-verbally, and you can communicate in a written word. So since I don't enjoy writing, it was, okay, let's just start doing something with the verbal stuff. So I launched a podcast. That was the first kind of entry point. And then we started looking at 
creating courses and you've used Camtasia to edit all of the all of the courses that we've done over the years have all been done inside Camtasia. So thank you. The um, it was how do I get comfortable in in front of the camera and take things from images that I might draw up on a whiteboard, like the stuff behind me, and deliver that in a way where someone can watch it, someone can take something away, and someone can actually start applying it. So it was really driven by the fact that I just do not enjoy writing. And I do enjoy sharing information, helping accelerate speed to impact, helping people do the things they want to do better and faster. And audio and video came up as the uh, the next logical step for me. That's awesome. And, and the, I mean, it's perfectly good a reading reason, right? Like you, you are someone who I know as I've listened to you speak, I've, I've watched you interact with people. You're really good. Right. And I've seen your work on camera. You're really good at it. So it makes sense like to, to make that an extension of yourself. I'm, I'm curious as you've worked with clients and as you've done your own work, your podcast, your videos, your things like that, how do you define success for, for those outcomes for like when you're using a video, how do you know that it's really done the thing that you want it to do? It's hard. And so, and, and the reason why it's hard is it's hard to put something out there and then not hear anything. Uh, the couple of things that I look for, are, do people share it? Do people comment? Do people come back and ask questions related to it? Do people share in it pieces of information in the background, either via text message or direct message saying, hey, that was really cool. It really helped simplify this thing. I'm able to do this. I'm working on it. Or even better, I started to do this and I ran into a, a challenge how can I work through that? When questions come back to me, that tells me that it's not only making an impact, it's starting to change the way people are thinking and doing things when it comes to work. So that's what I look for. It's that specific feedback. It's I'm not really good at looking at the data on YouTube and some of the other piece, places where I put content to say, okay, is this keeping people in? Is it holding on to others? My editing is... is will get better over time. Um, but it's, it's all about the feedback that I get directly from individuals where they say, I did this or I tried this. It didn't work. I have a question around this. I'm doing this. It's completely changed the way that I'm thinking about this. It's helped me eliminate X, Y, or Z feedback. Well, I, I love that. And I, I'm curious because I think this is something that, you know, for me, if you're internal to an organization, it's a little easier because you can, you can kind of prod your coworkers a little bit externally though, which is most of, I think the work that you're doing, how, how are you setting up that, that feedback loop so that you're getting that? Because I think that's something people struggle with as well. And I don't want to get too far from kind of where we're going here, but uh, I'm really curious, like, what have you found to work to get that feedback, to get that loop of information coming back to you? I, pro I, I prod people. <laughs> so like, even, <laughs> even there, I go in and I ask questions like, and it, some of it will, it, I'm sure that some people in one way, shape or form will get frustrated with some of these questions only because I'm literally asking for help around practical applications. So when someone says that they're looking at something or that they've looked at something or that they will look at something or they ask a question about something and I share, I follow back up with them directly and say, How'd you, what did you think? How'd you apply it? What are you doing differently? What could I have done better to, to share the message? How could I have improved? Like all of those questions are ones that I ask and I try to keep them as simple as possible and limit them to three at any point in time. I tend to be super clingy. I can put on the show of being a bit extroverted when I'm in front of people. But when it comes to uh, events, like the one that I was at rec just recently, I've 
I'm a, well, I'm introverted. I like to kind of move back into my own little shell. I stand in the corner. So for me to um, get comfortable asking for feedback, I have to know the person. And once I know mm-hmm. someone, then I consider you like my best friend. So uh, in in some instances, I'm kind of like a puppy dog where it's like, oh, now we're, now we're friends and I could ask you anything and I could be transparent. And I think with a level of transparency that I give you, there'll be some of that in return. So I feel very comfortable asking those questions because what you see is what you get. When you see me on video now, it represents the way that I'm in front of groups. If you saw me on video when I first started shooting video in 2019, before I did that Merry and Bright series, I was staring into a camera, looking like I was going to come into your house, eat your kids. (laughs) It just wasn't, it was, it was not comfortable. I wasn't blinking. It wasn't natural. I wasn't smiling. My presence has gotten better right now. I know where to look. Like I, I can look down. Uh, I was talking to a guy named Jeff Barnes, and Walt Disney had a quote: "The glum eye of the lens." Like there's this eye that I feel comfortable looking down now. That if we were talking five years ago, I felt super uncomfortable. And the only way that I've gotten more comfortable is through reps, actually doing the work. Um, which part? Which was that? You know, Barry and Bright series is where I first started using Camtasia to do this kind of editing. That's awesome. That's awesome. I love, and I love that, right? That you just got to ask, you got to be persistent. So, so good advice. So with that, uh, all this stuff, as you make videos and you've made a lot more videos and you, you know, you've kind of progressed your way. What's yeah. one tip you could give about either images or making images or videos that you'd give to our audience to help them to be more successful in their work? You have to do it. Like you just have to go in and do the reps, like go make yourself feel uncomfortable doing something. And the, I mentioned Miriam Bright. That was a daily practice that I launched in 2019 was the first year, first season. It was 25 days of um, business life and or, uh, lessons that from Christmas movies that apply to business life and sales. And I just had fun with it, did it on a daily basis, forced myself to do it had the green screen set up, like just going in and doing that rep, those reps on a daily practice, you see the progression that happens when you do something over and over and over again. The second thing that you need to do though, when you do it is be super critical about yourself. Like Mm. it's you're going to feel uncomfortable. You're going to get feedback from people about, Hey, you need to put together a script and you need to make better eye contact with the camera. And if your lighting was a little bit better, everything would go awesome. They're trying to help. Don't get frustrated with their feedback. I got super frustrated with the feedback because in the back of my head, I was thinking, do you know how hard it was to even do this? Like, <laughs> so, so do the reps, get it out there, be comfortable taking on the feedback. And the third thing I wish I would have never done, and I've gotten better with this, I wish I would not have been overly concerned about editing. And what I mean there is Sometimes I pause when I'm thinking. I would use filler words like, um, and I've got a little bit better with that. I breathe heavy into the microphone, like those kind of things. I was overly conscious about that and edited too much in the beginning. And had I not done the editing on the front end, then I think I would have gotten, I I would have made progress a bit better. Uh, Just get the reps out, do the, do the work, uh, test the work, uh, and, and then iterate on that. Yeah. Great advice. I think it's, uh, you know, there's nothing to, about making video that is really super hard, but it takes experience, right? Like this is, it's a process of building the memory, muscle memory of how to, you know, to do the things you get workflows, you develop it. So, so great advice, but Mike, we're actually here to talk about accelerating impact using images and videos. And and I'm curious, let's kind of lay out high level here. You know, we, we've talked a little bit before the show about, uh, you know, kind of some concepts we could talk about today. And, And I'm curious when you hear that, when you think about accelerating impact, 
tell us what you mean, because I think that could mean a lot of things to a lot of people. So what's your perspective on it? Yeah. So I think the first thing that we've got to do is define what impact is. So impact is, uh, you know, for me, it's a change in state. Um, it, you know, you think about playing football or playing hockey, when you hit something, you make an impact, something happens. Uh, you can impact the puck. I can impact the ball when I'm playing golf. I can impact the person when I hit the person playing football or hockey, something is going to stop going in a given direction or it's going to start moving in another direction. So, so let's get comfortable with what the word impact is. Then beyond that, let's get comfortable with what type of impact we're trying to drive. What's our objective? What are we actually focusing on? The thing you'll find about me is I'm very process-oriented, system-driven. That's why I've got stuff like this on the whiteboard from a conversation I had with someone yesterday around how do they overcome a challenge that they've got related to writing. So let's figure out what the goal is. What's the you know, what, what is it that we want to impact? What do we want to change? Where do we want to move something in a different direction? Let's be really comfortable about what it means for that change to happen. And then let's start thinking about different ways that we can organize around making that change happen so that we can define next logical steps and start taking them. So that's my process. It's There's a definition component. There's a clarity around where we're going to focus attention. There's a design component around what are the things that we can do. And then there's an action component of actually taking the step. And I think the biggest challenge that people run into on this side is they focus on moving fast rather than accelerating speed to impact. And speed to impact is more important than going fast. And what I mean by going fast is they move from one action to another action to another action to another action, and they're constantly task switching and doing all of this work, but they've not evaluated whether or not it's actually getting them closer to their goal, or maybe in worst case, it's actually getting further away from their goal because it's distracting them. So that's how I think of that. I hope that wasn't too detailed. No, no, no. I love it. And so I'm thinking a lot about like, it's like almost like the difference between I'm busy and I'm productive, right? Like busy, I could be busy all day long. There's a million things I could be doing and it's not bad things. It's just not maybe helping me be productive and get the things done that really need to be done. With that said though, Mike, I'm curious because like you've, you've got a lot there and obviously as, as you coach people, as you work with people, there's probably a, a variety of levels of people kind of coming at you and saying, Hey, I need help to do these things. Maybe they need help with processes. Maybe they need help kind of with the evaluation. How do I know that I'm really doing that right stuff for you? And I know there's more tools than, than images and video in the world, but for you, what role do they play in, in this process as you help someone to get to that point of impact just generally? Yeah. So like the whiteboard, as an example, what I can do when I'm working with someone, we can work together and draw something up on the whiteboard. I get it. I'm the person who takes the marker, puts the information up on the board, but I'm taking that information. But what people are seeing are their words, their 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 content as we go through it. And what we're what I'm working on doing there by being able to take it, information, put it up on a whiteboard, have the image from the video or a picture that I can send them is they see their own words coming together in a way that helps make a shift from chaos to clarity. All of the stuff that's in their head now gets organized in different parts of the board. Is it in the first phase? Is it are like, are we talking about a goal or are we talking about specific actions? Where does it organize around the board? Are we talking about problem solving and understanding what the problem is? Who has it? Who's impacted by it? Who cares about those who have it or impacted by it? Why does it persist? As we start organizing around these questions, you start to see patterns emerge. And each of these questions that I ask people and then put data up on the whiteboard is just like a brushstroke on a painting. As we add more brushstrokes to the painting, the picture becomes more clear. I could not do that without 
a high resolution camera, a good whiteboard behind me. The biggest challenge I have is I really like writing on glass. So the reflections are really tough and you can kind of see the blinds <laughs> over my, over, over my left shoulder as I go backwards here. But there's, um, there's some magic that happens when you build together. And the interesting thing that I've seen is when I've tried to do this on an iPad, where I'm looking down at a digital whiteboard and writing, it doesn't have the same, same feeling, the same, doesn't create the same experience for others. So beyond that, I have to add all audio. If I turn away from my microphone, I lose the connection with the person on the other end. So I use wireless lab mics. And as I level up my tech, I level up the experience and that helps helps pull some of these story pieces together so that people can then look at it and say, all right, we've organized this stuff. Now, what are we going to do next? Or what, what are the things we're going to do? How are we going to prioritize that? And what are we going to do next? So this is how Video has completely changed this. I could do this in person inside a room, but that requires me getting on an airplane, you having a facility where people are going to meet. Everybody else has to come together on an airplane or in a virtual environment. I can do this um, because I've set. I've been very intentional the way that I've set up my workspace. So, so as you're doing this, and I, I I love this right because you're you're bringing kind of this physical component that is is really a mind map of sorts of kind of the different pieces. As you're doing this, you're actually recording. And yep. is that recording ending up back to, cause I'm guessing you like do live zoom session, but then are you taking that as a recording and sending it to them, giving that to them as a kind of a component or how are you using that? It depends. So, um, it, so there are some instances where I will share a recording of a coaching session back with people if they want it. And it's up to them on whether or not they want to use it. I just, I make it available in a shareable link and then they've got it. I don't do any editing with that. Um, they, they had the experience. I don't need to go back through and clip mm-hmm. things up and clean things up and do all of that other kind of stuff. It's just, I don't do any editing on that. On the other side though, um, on, I've got uh, a couple of themes that I'll use in a, in a given week. On Tuesday, I do a Tactical Tuesday, and lately I've brought a dog into this. So Tactical Tuesday with Murphy, I carry the dog on my shoulder, hold him up while we talk about dog things and people things and try to simplify how we think about things like consistency, um, um, uh, routine, um, patience, those kind of things. I'll do a whiteboard Wednesday on Wednesdays and map up stuff that I've either heard about or know that people are struggling. Those will be edited. So it all depends on who is going to get it, what the job to be done is of the video and how they're actually going to engage with it. And so I do editing on the Tuesday and Wednesday stuff, which is publicly shared on the privately shared. I don't edit any of that stuff. Um, in some instances, what I'll do with organizations is we'll take those videos and we'll publish them in like a note, an internal notion page so that people can go back and look at it. So it kind of, you know, think of a very remedial LMS, uh, so that there's mm-hmm. some kind of knowledge, tra- knowledge capturing and transfer, but that's, that's how I'm, that's how I'm doing it today. Those and those again, I won't edit. Yeah. So, so I love that. So you've got a, a couple different components. Now I imagine someone's listening to this saying, Hey, that's really cool. I, I love the idea of bringing the whiteboard. And I mean, and you're by no means the inventor of using, doing whiteboard videos, right? Uh, Rand Fiskin, there's ton, there's tons of them, but you're doing it in your own unique way. But I'm guessing there's somebody saying like, Oh, Mike, this is, this is starting, starting to sound like this is pretty complicated. Um, what, what advice would you give to someone as if they're seeing this saying like, cause I, I love this cause it's a different type of video, right? It's not, we're not talking like, I'm just going to make a video, record myself to talk to you. I'm, I'm bringing in these other elements, but how, how do you get started with that? You know, you said, let's get started. So how do I get started? 
I think that's the thing is just do it. Like push the button. Brian Fanzo talks about it. I think when the last time we saw each other in person might've been with when Brian Fanzo was around uh, or in the room at the same conference, but he talks about pushing the button, push the button, just get started. Um, test first. This is not the first whiteboard that mm-hmm. I've had. I've had a number of different whiteboards. I've leveled up each time. I, now I've got a whiteboard that covered, I think it's four feet high by seven feet wide. So if I change the frame, I can actually, or can put a lot of content out. It would be stupid for someone to go out and buy a four foot by seven whiteboard, hang it on the back of the room and then say, all right, I'm going to get started whiteboarding. Let's go ahead and test this out. Test it out in a smaller kind of like safer environment. Um, you can get, you can even use like a scratch pad kind of thing and set the camera up properly or do the, the, the iPad, but the, but it's really, it's about doing work. So how do you figure out what work? Well, if I have a goal, what's the goal? I want to communicate some kind of message. Well, okay, what kind of message is it that you want to communicate? How much time do you want to use to communicate? What's the medium that you're going to use to communicate? Ask some of those questions and then break that down and say, okay, well, what's the? how do I organize the work that I need to do to start communicating it? Once I've organized the work, and this gets into the game plan, goal setting and execution through clarity and focus, but I've got a goal, I've got actions, I've got metrics that I'm going to use to hold myself accountable. And then I actually just start doing that work. You're going to be wrong. It it doesn't matter what work you start doing. You're probably going to say, oh, I wish I wouldn't have done that. Like one of a friend of ours, Craig Seibert, one of the things he said to me, he goes, "Uh, you do realize that you can move the microphone closer to you. There's this thing called a newer arm that I could use to pull the microphone closer. The first couple of times I was like, I had the microphone kind of bolted to the desk and I was leaning in to talk. My point, you're going to make mistakes. Be comfortable making mistakes. Those are opportunities to learn and you learn faster through that experience than you'll learn by just constantly watching a bunch of other people or or reading stuff about it. So I, that's not a, I, I don't think that's an ideal answer for a lot of people because they're like, well, just give me the three things. Well, okay. So if I was starting all over again, what would I do? I would start with a small whiteboard and use my iPhone as a camera and use my AirPod as a headphone. Uh, audio is going to be good. Camera is going to be good. I'm going to be able to catch that up on a whiteboard. I would start recording and I would record something that relates to conversations that I've actually had with customers. And if it's not with customers, it's with people inside my organization. And I would record with a point. If the point is, how do I solve, help get better at problem solving, design around that and start putting pieces of content together and then share it in a way where you either share it directly with people via text message or put it on social media, on like Twitter or threads or whatever, put it on YouTube, but get it out there and then start seeing what how people respond. Do you get comments? Do people engage? Do people, how do people support you? Just start getting that piece out there. And then from there, you're going to figure out, okay, I really didn't like having the AirPod in my ear because I don't like seeing it on the camera. I need to come up with a lav mic that I can put underneath my shirt. Um, I don't think the camera frame is really good. It's not catching the detail. So I need to get a better camera, but just start testing. Yeah. Wow. You, you can tell that you, you are all about process, Mike, which <laughs> I am not right. Like, I think I just kind of throw things out the wall and, but, but I love that. I love the process, right? Like you, you really laid it out and even thinking about it being accountable, you know, what metrics, what goals, um, I think that's all really good stuff that gets overlooked, especially in a lot of roles. Um, yeah. particularly when you think about that, most people probably that listening to this, their, their job 
And your job actually is not to make video. That's not the job. That's not the work. It is just a piece of the work to help move things forward. So I, I love this, you know, like really breaking it down and saying like, okay, what do I want? How am I going to do this? What kind of things am I going to try? What's going to keep me accountable? So I think that's really practical and good advice. And you, you use the word and so I'll use it again and we'll use it. At, I'll use it at the end of the show, that level up mentality, right? Like, it, we're not playing a video game, but getting that incrementally better is always a thing that we like to talk about on the show because that's the way you do it. There is there is no magic formula that will allow you to abracadabra your way into being a, a, you know awesome at at this work. It's it's like everything. It, you put in the reps, do the time, experiment, try things, throw some throw some things out that aren't going to work, and see what happens. So I I, I love this. Once you get and once you get started, you'll realize, hey, you know what? That gives me energy. That actually brings me energy. Maybe people aren't using it, but it brings me energy. It gets me excited. So do more of it, and then figure out what people will use. So, you know, like I, I like to use a two by two here. It's you know, it, it's the work that I'm doing, sucking the life out of me, low energy, or is it creating energy, high energy? Okay, if it, where does it fall in the continuum? I want to reduce the amount of things that suck the life out of me, increase the number of things that give me high energy. And the next access on this two by two, I'm going to look at the things, what has, what, what's the impact? Is it low impact? Okay. Let's start doing less of those. Even if it's high energy, you know, maybe there's a way to move into more high impact things. Well, what are those things that I plot on this two by two? And then how do I spend more time working on the things that are high energy, high impact? And the only way that you can do it is if you start getting work out there, because in your own head, you might believe that it's high impact, high value, but value is in the eye of the beholder. It's the person who receives it. That so, so you got to get out there. You really, there's no shortcuts. You really just have to go out there and do the work, test some things, and from there you'll figure it out. Like there are certain things that I, I am never going to be a speaker who is the raw, 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 motivational. Let's get super excited kind of thing. That's not. I'm not going to get people standing up and clapping their hands and all of that. What I am going to do is I'm going to deliver practical knowledge that you can actually start work putting to, into practice now, which will help you get from where you are today to where you want to be because I'm very process-oriented and system-driven. And there are a lot of people out there who aren't. And it's amazing what happens once they can apply some simple process to the work that they're doing because they really start to accelerate that speed impact. Yeah. So I, well, I, I love that. You know, Mike, in, in previous conversations I've had with you, you've mentioned that you are kind of a... a especially when it comes to technology, like super high risk tolerant, right? Like you're, you're willing to install like things that will break and you could, you're, you're good with that. Um, and I want to, I'm going to relate this back to kind of our conversation about what we've been talking about. Cause I think there's a lot of people who are not that. And this idea that you're saying is good. Like I agree hundred percent with you. Like let's get out there, do some things, apply some process, get started. But I think in some organizations, there's there's a real risk to doing that, right? To being the person who's trying something, whether it's, you know, I'm going to do a whiteboard message or I'm just going to record instead of having a meeting, I'm going to record a sh short video to send an asynchronous message to a group so we can save some time or whatever. Um, and, and so I think there becomes this kind of gap, this this chasm, right, where people feeling like, whoa, I don't know if that's going to work for me. I, I, I can't take those types of risk and feel good about it because my culture in the organization, the people around me, you know, like you talked about being introverted earlier and kind of you like find somebody, they're like, now you're their best friend. Um, some people are just like, 
And I feel this sometimes, like, I'm just like, oh, nope, I can't talk to anybody. And I've talked to him like, okay, well, I'm glad they talked to me. But now, I, you know, like, I don't know that we're going to be friends because, ah. Um, and so, like, how do you how do you help, And you know, as you coach people, and I'm sure you come across this, how do you help them to feel comfortable in those steps to move forward, even though there still is the risk? The risk doesn't maybe go away, but how do they get comfortable? Is it just process or is there something else that you could advise us on? A lot, a lot of it's the question we ask ourselves. So you know, one good question to ask, and I forget who said this first, and one of my favorite quotes is the Marie Antoinette one, which is, there's nothing new except what has been forgotten. And then you've got Newton who is st- stood on the shoulder of giants, and he stole that from somebody else who stood on the shoulder of giants. So like there are all of these things, there's, there's, um, there, we don't have to, we don't have to um, create something new. We can go out there and we can test things that are working in some other in some other environment. So be comfortable with the idea that um, you're, it's okay to test things new. So the next the question that I would ask is, what's the worst that could happen? And I forget where who where that originates. But if I get comfortable with what's the worst that can happen, then now I'm okay with taking a little bit of a risk. And uh, like I'm not going to suggest that. Somebody who's you know working with some really big brand. We talked about one of them. You know, the Walt Disney Company goes out there and says, "I'm going to put out my own new Disney YouTube channel to communicate all of the things to the organization." Like, there's a lot of risk that could happen. They they might not like that innovation or creativity. But what I can tell you is, there's going to be somebody inside your group, somebody inside your organization who likes to push boundaries, who likes to talk about innovation, likes to talk creativity about creativity, is embracing some of the core messaging of Walt when they joined the organization. I use that as an example. Same thing happens at Microsoft or Intel or any of these other, MIT is an example. They're pushing innovation. Well, find the people inside the organization who want to push innovation and ask them for a little bit of help. Say, I'm working through this. What could some of my blind spots be? How might this be perceived? How would you do it? Think about any time you launch new technology inside an organization, you don't just turn it on and hope it works. Mm -hmm. I hope you run some kind of a soft launch, you test, you pilot, then you get some feedback because once you start seeing how things work in workflow, you get a little bit more information around, okay, well, how can I build scale around this? How can I avoid some challenges? What are some of the questions that people are going to come up? So start first with what's the worst that could happen? Then move to who do I know inside my circle that I can test with, who's a bit more innovative, a bit more creative, likes to push boundaries, likes to test things. You'll have those people inside your organization. And then start testing with them. When you test with them, ask them who else they would recommend. And you start to build this little cohort or group inside your organization and demonstrate some success, success, build that thing, snowball effect, and then start to draw other people into the story that you're working on. This will work inside any organization. If you happen to be in an organization where you say, this is just not me, this is not mine, this is not how it works, there's too much risk, well, then I would question whether or not you belong in that organization because now you've identified a, a limiting factor in there that's going to get in the way of you being able to do some of the things that you want to do. Another way to go about it is test in another environment. So I'm really into golf, uh, working on getting better at this game. Um, if you're into golf, maybe you record some stuff outside of the workplace that's focused on something you're into, whether it's golf or cooking or riding around in a Jeep or whatever that thing is. But there are different ways to test. Um, if you ask that question, what's the worst that can happen? You start to be comfortable with the risk and then move things forward. I know when I put new technology, use new technology, the worst thing that could happen is I lose an hour's worth of work. I have to redo it. I, you know, whatever. I 
okay, it breaks. Um, I just want to be comfortable with the idea of what my assessment is of what's that worst thing that can happen. And, um, and if I have blind spots, I ask other people for help. Yeah. Well, I, I, I love that as advice, right? Uh, to quote the great, uh, Fred Rogers, you know, look for the helpers and find your helpers in your side, your organization that have that higher tolerance or, or can help you yes. assess the risk. So I love that. Uh, before we move to our speed round questions, Mike, I just want to ask, we, we've talked a lot about using images and videos, obviously, but is there anything else that we haven't said about accelerating impact, uh, that you think should be said before we move, move to our speed round questions? I think the big one is this, um, think of anything that you've done for the first time. How hard was it the first time? Okay. What was the first experience? Did you feel uncomfortable or were you just natural at it? Did it all just kind of work? So think of, think of that. Then also think of, and you might start with this question first, what are the things that you do really, really, really well today that you're known for that people come to you for guidance, advice, whatever it is. And then think about how you got there. What did the first day that you started doing this thing look like? Um, this applies when little kids are learning how to play soccer, um, when kids are learning how to ride a bike, when all of these things, like there are all of these experiences that we have. And the th common denominator across all of them is you probably didn't do it very w as well as you do it today as you did the first or you don't do it as well, um, didn't do it as well the first time as you do it mm -hmm. now today. So be comfortable with that. While any of these things, goal setting and execution, problem solving, decision making, accelerating speed to impact, these are all muscles that you can build over time. And if you're struggling with either one of those, aim small, miss small, to use a quote from the Patriot. Um, aim small, miss small. Start really small, make incremental progress through hard effort demonstrate that you can do the work and then move on to the next and then move on to the next. And I know we talked about levels of games and whatnot. It is, life is a bit of a game. You're, 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 you're leveling up in each conversation that you have and each interaction that you have and each new tool that you bring in. You just have to get started and be comfortable with the idea that you're going to suck when it starts. Love it. All right. Well, Mike, uh, thank you for that, that great advice. I'm, I'm thinking about some things I can apply this to right now. Uh, so let's go jump into our speed round. For those who have not listened to the show before, speed round questions are meant to be quick, uh, quick questions with quick answers. So let's dive in right now. All right, here we go. Now, what you might not know about our speed round is we've got a 12-sided die that we're going to roll right now to determine which of the 12 questions we're going to ask Mike. So these are the same 12 questions every single time. And it looks like we got lucky number seven. So, uh, Mike, you've obviously done a, a lot of things here. Uh, you've got your this business that you've been building. You've got your career that we talked about at the beginning of the show. If you had to shift careers out of the world, what you're doing now, what would you do? I think I would have been an engineer. Like I, if I go back, I, when I was working with MIT, I sat in on a discussion where we were talking about quantum uh, or edge computing. And I thought, holy crap, I'm where I belong. Like, <laughs> so I think that, I think I would, I would have, uh, I would have been an engineer. That's awesome. I love that. Uh, I, I don't know that I've ever been involved in any conversation about physics, engineering, or any of that where I felt like, yeah, I belong. So I'm glad you do. <laughs> All right, let's Mike, let's ask our next question here. The roll of the die and it is a number two. So, you know, it's interesting we're, we're talking about this mastering impact topic and really diving into a lot of processes and stuff. I, I got to imagine, Mike, like everything you've just talked about, you did not, the first time you started developing processes and coming through this stuff was not when you came out of your mother's womb. Uh, so how did you start to master the things that you're talking about today? 
it took me so freaking long to figure out that this was something that makes me a little bit different. And it's stupid that it's, it's ridiculous, excuse me, not stupid, but ridiculous that it's taken me a bit of time. Uh, and some of this is imposter syndrome kind of getting in the way, but the, the how, when I was a little kid, I played with erector sets. I played with Lincoln logs. I like building things with Legos. I, I like taking stuff apart and then seeing if I could put it back together. So that's the how piece the how I realized it later on in life that I could actually apply it to, to business, life, sales, was I started, uh, started getting involved in rooms where people started to say things like, you color outside the lines, you think differently, you, you bring a new perspective. And I realized that there are patterns, whether it's putting together Lego sets or putting together an erector set or putting together Lincoln logs or breaking a cable box up so that you could put a chip in there so they can get channels, like all of that kind of stuff. And yes, I did that way back when, and I think the statute <laughs> of limitations is gone. But once you do that work, you realize, oh, wow, I can actually apply. I can transfer knowledge and skills into other contexts to elevate my capability in those areas. So I think it all started with, I really like to uh, break things and put it back together. Yeah. And now you can help people do that as well, right? Help them to see that stuff. So that's, that's awesome. All right, Mike, we've got one more question here. So let's go ahead and back to our dice cam. Let's roll for the last one. And that you can see, it's a little hard to see, but there is a dot by that. That means it is a six. So, ooh, this is a, this is a fun question. This one's tricky for people, Mike, so be ready. If you could be a hero in any story, and I mean any story, who would you choose and why? Like a real hero, a hero, I say a real hero, like a comic book hero or Could like, be a comic book hero, could be a real life person, someone that you think, if you could be, it's, you know, a hero in the story, classic, classic kind of uh, trope around how you develop a uh, story, things like that. Could be anybody you want. Doesn't have to be a superhero per, per se. It could be, you know, anyone. So, so I, I've two, I've two f- favorites, which is tough because I go back and forth between the two, um, actually three. So Hulk. Mm. Spider-Man and Batman. And yes, I crossed over into the DC universe. The Hulk, um, because of the intense rage that happens to get things done, all in a shell of somebody who doesn't look like they would have that that kind that kind of a rage. So if I had to choose between all three of those and I could only do one, I'd be my I'd be your uh, friendly neighborhood Spider-Man because I'm out there helping people. Yeah, I, I I love that. And and you love gadgets and and tools. So that's the Batman, right? Right. Yep. Could be breaking things down, being a detective, asking questions like there. So there. So if I could bring them all together, I guess uh, in the spirit of Puppy Baby Monkey from the Super Bowl way back when, I would be uh, Hulk's uh, Spider Hulk Bat or something like that. Spider <laughs> yes. Hulk Man or something like that. Spider Hulk Man Bat. <laughs> I love it. I, I I love it. Well, well, Mike, thank you so much for talking with me today. If if people want to find you, your podcast, any of that stuff, how can they connect? The best place is go to findmycatalyst.com. Uh, you'll have links to the podcast, which is also called Find My Catalyst. Just go to findmycatalyst.com. That's where everything is. And if you're interested in uh, goal setting and execution, getting better at achieving results through stra- strategy, simplification, you will find tools and resources right there. Findmycatalyst.com. And I'll say they can probably find your videos there to check those out, get examples if, you know. Good we're getting better at that. I got to have better links, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, we're in the middle of a rebrand, which is kind of tough, but yes, go to findmycatalyst.com. And as a result of this conversation, I will figure out a way to embed a link that will take them to the videos on YouTube and all the other places where we put content. 
And we can, and we'll post the link to your YouTube channel in the show notes as well. So people can see and, you know, great, op- great artists, good artists, copy, great artists, steal. So we can go and steal some of the, the things that you're doing there. Well, Perfect. Mike, as we wrap up, we ask our guests the same thing uh, for the show. What is your final take for today? Get out there and do work. Nothing matters without action. And it's, it's okay to be wrong with the action you take, but you won't know whether you're wrong or right until you actually start doing the work, then assessing the work that you did. So a little bit of reflection and then determining, did it get me closer to my goal or not? If it didn't get you closer to your goal, then stop doing that work. It's okay to stop. You don't have to do the thing that you said you're going to do. It's okay to eliminate things. It's okay to fire work. So uh, get out there, do work. Pause, take time to so take some time to reflect on the work that you did, and then iterate on that and go out and do more work. Be very comfortable with the idea that you're going to do the wrong things when you start, and that's all part of the learning process. And if you embrace the fact that you're going to do some things wrong when you start, you, you all of a sudden have the freedom to really, really push boundaries. And um, you know, small steps can turn into some really significant things over a long period of time if you're consistently doing taking those small steps. So get out there and do work. Awesome. Thanks again, Mike, for joining me in the Visual Lounge. Thanks for having me, Matt. You bet. All right, everybody, go check out Mike's work, the things that he's doing. Go think about how can you accelerate your impact. Now, images and video are obviously just a piece of that whole work, as Mike talked about. There's probably lots of other things, getting those processes in place, taking those steps, trying things. Uh, Mike's got tons of great ideas, so go check that out. But if you're thinking about accelerating impact for the Visual Lounge, we'd love to have you like, rate, subscribe, do all that stuff because it does help us get found. It helps others know about it. And if you have someone that you think would benefit from today's show or another show, please share it. We are always so appreciative. Now, of course, as we wrap up today, we're grateful for all of the people that are listening and have tuned in. We've got some great episodes that are coming still with great guests. We want you to hear those as well. So don't, again, make sure you hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening. And of course, as Mike talked about, get out there, do the work, and take whatever time you need to level up every single day. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.